episode, we're talking shit about death with Melanie Maria Goodrow. She's a poet, a playwright, and a teaching artist. Not to mention, she's one of my best friends in the entire universe. So it's kind of like just taking a moment to remember that they are out there, that they live, that they were a part of you. You know, like Matthew, Matthew's gone, but I talked to Matt. I'm going to be honest, I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, really, I love Matthew. It's painful. But listen, that's the thing is that my Aunt Lucille died. It's too painful for me to talk to her. So I have not really spoken to her very much at all. Yeah, when I think about her, I just, I can't, I think I have a real definitive block on that one, mm-hmm. I have to admit. <clears throat> Matthew, for some reason, because he was my friend, because we talked in a certain way, and because of the, of the kind of spirit that Matthew was as he was alive, I think that he has some sort of ability to, like, because even when he was alive, he was just appearing from out of nowhere. He would like <laughs> just like wear some wild ass shit. He was actually constantly communicating to us even as he was alive with like colors and choices and pictures and like things that he would do and say. So when people make choices, very big choices like that, when they are alive, it makes it really easy to rem- not. It makes it easier to remember them. Yeah. So it's like you know we had the Matthew thing and. It Everyone kind of knew what they should wear because he made so many stark choices. It wasn't like we had to wonder what we should put on. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like another person might not have that kind of thing. It might be like, well, I think that she liked pink. So we pink. <laughs> or I think that she was really patriotic, so all red, white, and blue, or whatever. But it was like, if you think about Matthew, you know colors, you know the things that he did. So it's you're able to translate that more. And I think that he translated that so well when he was alive that remembering him as he is gone is almost like, how could you not remember him? He left so many pictures and images and like, <laughs> and like things to leave behind, gifts. I have all these gifts at my house that Matthew that gave, literally gave to me. Mm-hmm. Like angels and like photographs and cards, like you know. I mean, I, I think I have those things because we all hung out in the occasions that we hung out, and I guess everybody has a gift from Matthew. But it's like I don't have gifts for like many of the people that I like am around. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or like the, the the images, like all the photographs that I have in my house. Matthew took those photographs with his eyeball, with his camera, with his click, with his snap, and so you know. But also like. We shared a lot. And I also think that it depends on what the relationship is, what the person is doing on the other side. Because I think that Matthew coming to me in a dream was such a really big gift. Have you ever dream of him? Have you had a dream about him yet? Mm-mm. That's so fucking deep to me. <laughs> I, I get it, though. I didn't ask for the dream that I had of him. I, I wish that he would have come, but... I couldn't have made him come, number one. Number two, you can't really make them come again. So I know how it is. Like, that could have been the dream that I had, but quite frankly, it he gave me a lot in that dream. So what happened in the dream? 
Oh, it was so beautiful. Oh, it was just one of the best dead people dreams I've ever had. <laughs> I love dead people. And I've had a few. I've had a couple about my dad, and I don't have them about many people. I had my dad, I had, I don't think, I haven't, I dreamed, I had a couple of visions of Charles. Nothing too big with Charles, but I can describe Charles' dreams as well. But Matthew, yeah, I was in a driveway with two of my very old friends that were kind of like my boys. They were kind of like angel dudes, Dave Ortiz mm-hmm. and Jason Trevitz. For some reason, those dudes who somewhere in my spirit, I do associate them with the period right outside of my father dying because they were such good guys. And they were in a car outside of my mother's driveway in New Orleans. And we were trying to figure out how much money we need to go on a road trip. We were going to do on some on some road trip, which is not so weird because me and Dave have definitely done road trips in the past. So it's very interesting that I was in a car with these dudes because I've been in interesting car situations with both of these dudes, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, Matthew shows up in the driveway in some like shimmering outfit. He was definitely in an outfit, and he was sort of shimmering, and he kind of looked like he wasn't, like he was kind of like that weird, awkwardy Matthew, like, yep, I'm here, like, in the driveway. <laughs> I'm in your mom's driveway, Mel, I'm appearing. Hey, he just kind of walked up, and I was like, what? And when I saw him, I wasn't, like, not knowing what was up. I was kind of like, oh, what? What, you, what are you doing here? Like, what? And I was like, Jason, D- Dave, this is Matthew. He's dead. Remember that? And they're like, oh, man, this is crazy. And Matt's like, yo. And then he pulls out a big old wad of money, like cash. And he's like, yo, Mel, here's your money. Now, I don't know if that's a direct quote. I know I wrote the dream down and I gave it to Diane, like, right after it happened. But he, like, pulled out a big wad of money and put it in my hand. And I remember looking at it and could see the amount, which I think it was $52. It was, like, 50-something. I was like, yo, thanks, bro. I needed this. He was like, yep. You know, he was, like, all about just giving me this money. So then after he gave me this money, he was kind of, like, saying, here's your money, Mel, or money, money, whatever he said. I went inside of a place it wasn't my mother's house anymore i went inside of a place with with the guys that were going on a trip with me and we walked inside of this place which now that i think about the memory i realized it was probably um this place that was a um underground puerto rican little club that jason used to bring me to and he would remember the guy's name but they used to they used to sell setups of like crown and like <laughs> And then people used to play cards and all kind of sell food in there. It was like a little underground club that, like, in freaking Spanish Harlem. And it was these people. I realized I was with Jason. So somewhere kind of in the dream, I must have got, I think his name was Coro's Place. Anyway, so we go inside the place, and these people start giving us all kind of money. They give us, giving us money for our trip. Money, 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 money. So I got out of the car, and I was like, oh, yeah, look at this. This is so cool. Because at that point, after Matthew gave me the money, all these people gave me money. And it's in the dream kind of ended with me, like, just counting off all this money and giving these guys all of this money. So after I had the dream, I was like, yo, that was such an amazing dream. I had Matthew, let me tell Diane. Let me tell Jason. Let me tell Dave. So I texted everybody and I was like, dudes, I had this gene that we were about to get like all of this money and y'all were in it. And it was about Diane's husband, Matthew. And it was just crazy that I saw him. I'm just telling you because the dream seems so fortuitous. Like it was like a great freaking dream. That's a good one. It was great, you know, and 
Anyway, I wish I could have like pulled off that outfit that was in my dream, but I have time. <laughs> I have a whole lifetime to pull off that outfit. I, I see it. I know the outfit. Like I just got to run into it and get it and make it happen and think of a good occasion to do that. Maybe like, a, um, I don't know, in the fall at some point. We'll celebrate <laughs> him again as we will continue to celebrate him. So that's the dream I had about Matthew. That's fabulous. Now you waiting to have a dream about him? Am I waiting? Yeah. I mean, imagine it'll happen. You imagine it'll happen? Yeah. And how is he communicating to you right now? Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's weird because, like, it's weird because I live in the house that he lived in and I see, his, you know, all his stuff is here, like all his clothes and all his pictures and all everything. <sighs> So it's like I don't feel like I really have to try too hard. Like right. for the first um, probably the first couple months after he died, I whenever I'd come home, I'd just yell like, "Hey Matt, what's up?" And mm. Like, "Hey mummy," and I started don't do that anymore. Really? Nah, I just still you know say hey to him and stuff. But I kind of felt like I don't know. I feel like something about it being six months after. He died, something weird, something happened, sort of. Really? Not that I'm, you know, I think it was also because he died in January and it was really cold and gross and terrible and blah, and, you know, real hibernating for a while and it was real snowy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I think I just got a little bummed out by the weather. Okay. <laughs> and, and him being dead, you know, of I mean, course. I was just kind of bummed out for a little while. I mean, you know. Makes sense. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Well, that's the thing, like, who was it? Somebody said something to me, like, you know, because I don't really, like, cry around people a lot, you know, or anything, because right. I just, you know, I don't want to be a bummer. You know, I do it on my own time when I need to. But um, somebody, it might have been Becky, she was like, do you ever just cry for no reason? I was like, well, yeah. I mean, do you? Well, I don't any, I haven't in a minute, but yeah, I would just, you know, wake up and be cry. Crying. Yeah, and just get it out of my system, I guess, or something. Or just some dumb thing, or like some, you know, like some stupid scene in a movie or something. He'd be like, oh shit, I'm about to cry. Oh yeah. Like as if you were grieving over Matthew? Yeah. Makes I mean, sense. Well, yeah. That's how it happens. I know, but like some, when yeah. she was like, do you ever just cry? I was like, well, if I didn't, I'd want you, to, I'd be a robot or something. Yeah. I just think, I think because I do... I mean, I do try to just be like, it's cool, everything's cool, that. You know, I, right. I don't want people to freak out or think I'm really bummed out. I mean, people seem to think that I don't get sad or I don't, you know, all that crap. Mm -hmm. I do, but I just don't, you know, I just do it kind of on my own time. <laughs> you, you know, know I, mean? I just don't know if it's like part of your, your spiritual generosity, what that is, but I'm going to tell you. I know I'm for myself. I'm like, damn, like this girl is tough as fucking nails. But I also just remember how I like know how private you guys are, and I feel like death can be death is like a body. It is a body thing. It's a body thing. It's a spirit thing. It's a hard thing. It's a challenging thing. So the way that people deal with it and handle it, yo, not do it. Do it whatever you gotta do. And I yeah. think that conserving some of that, that all of that, blah 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 blah. That's just not who you are. Period. You yeah. know, and I get it. I'm glad to know that. But I was glad and relieved to know that you were actually crying. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not an asshole. No. <laughs> but you're saying that things have changed. So what, what is it about six months that has made it oh, kind of be well, like... Well, and also I think, uh, going back to that whole thing with Matt, like, you know, I mean, he knew he was going to... We knew he was going to die. So we talked about it all the time. You know, I mean, we yeah. kind of knew it was coming and it was 
you know, mm-hmm. kind of a good thing. You know what I mean? Like, it, you know, if he had gone to go take a picture somewhere and he, you know, fell off a cliff and dropped dead just out of the blue, that would have been a real drag. <laughs> you know, but... That would have been a drag. That You know, that I might still be, you know, yeah. a little messed up about. Look, you... Matt... I ain't gonna lie. Him and Auntie Lucille, I mean, if we're gonna talk about these last three deaths, I mean, or whatever. In the lesson of deaths, as they continue to happen, mm-hmm. these ones that have happened this particular year, these deaths have definitely turned a corner for me. <laughs> yes. They have. And it was because the two people, they were so, they died so graciously. And I got to be honest, like, it was hard to know that Matthew was dying the times while we were with him and him joking about it and showing us, but it was almost like this real interesting education because it was like, these are my tumors. Show, show, <laughs> here they the are. Tumor. Look at them. And listen, I had an appreciation for it because it wasn't like he was doing anything that he didn't do throughout his entire life. Look at my body. Look at what it can do. Look, I'm doing this now. Look at this. My body's crazy. He had like a... He was almost unreal. It was so perfect. So when these things started popping up, it were like perfect things popping up. It was like, what is that? It looks like, I'm like, if this was happening to me right now, it would not be this. You wouldn't be having a tumor show. I would not be having a tumor show. I'd be like, whatever. Anyway, so the fact that he brought us in like that and the fact that he was just with that and he was very honest about all the things that he was thinking as it was happening and... I mean, I think that we were all hiding what we were feeling from each other because we couldn't be a mess for each other. I mean, every once in a while it would come out. And quite frankly, I know, I don't know if I told you the story, but y'all were downtown and I was supposed to meet y'all. But I came to the house first and I was with Matthew. Matthew was in a good mood. I think he must have picked me up from where we were. And I realized that he was sick and him doing this was just a, a treasure. And I loved being with Matthew and talking just to Matthew. I enjoyed him so much. So I was like, we were hanging out at the house and I was like, it was such a special time. You know, he's just giving me, like, a special Matthew time. But everybody was downtown, and they needed me to come downtown. So I was like, okay, that's the plan. So I'm going to leave Matthew, who I know that this is one of, like, <laughs> one, of, one of the last times I'm going to be around him because I just, I know this for whatever reason. I know it. I know it. And I'm going to come out and meet y'all. It was fall, and Matthew, quite frankly, died on January 1st. So I was right in my guesstimations. So I was like, okay, I'll come and meet y'all downtown because that was the plan. So of course I couldn't tell it to Matthew and I couldn't tell it to you and I couldn't tell any person. I could only tell it to my soul and to my spirit and I certainly couldn't start crying in front of Matthew like, I just my last time with you and he did like all the live to go downtown to see my friends because they're going to live forever. Ah, you know. So I got inside the motherfucking lift, girl. I got into the lift and the lift drive was just like, hey, honey, I'm like, yeah, he's like, what brings you going downtown this time? And I was like, dude, I don't fucking know why I'm going downtown. Because my friend that's inside of this house right here is like, he's going to (laughs) go. I can feel it. He is not long for this earth. (laughs) And I want to hang out with him, but I got to go and see them and like... And just the idea that I wasn't going to see Matthew no more and it was a real thing that was really going to happen. This Lyft driver couldn't even contain me. I just, honey, I let it all out in the back seat of the Lyft to whoever he was. Matthew's going. 
cry, cry, cry. Like, like having a, like a cry fit in the back. He was like, it's, and I was so embarrassed because I literally had a cry freak out. And I was like, sir, I'm so sorry. I was still crying so much, grieving that I couldn't not admit it to him. So I said, sir, I apologize. I'm so sorry for so much for freaking out in the back of your car. <laughs> and I got to give that brother some credit. He just went with it. You know, every time you're in a, in a car in Vermont, the driver is like some yeah, spiritual little, spiritual yeah. angel nirvana carrier or some <laughs> shit like that. I'm like, what the fuck is this? So this dude, he's straight up. He's like, it's okay, ma'am. You know, sometimes, <laughs> you know, animals, when I, there's, I have a cat to my house, and sometimes I think that he's, he's like my aunt, and I have a dog, and every once in a while, the way he looks at me, I feel like he's like, of oh, my grandparents, like, he was definitely on some other shit, and he was basically talking about how the animals in his life were his ancestors and all this, and I was like, halfway listening to him, and just halfway still embarrassed that I had freaked out, but actually, was listening to him, like, this is one of the moments when I'm in like a back of a car in Vermont and the Lyft drive or the cab drive is going to be some fucking crazy spiritual conduit with some deep lesson, even though they just seem like some weird car, car driver <laughs> at the time. And I was like, yeah, dude, pets, your cat. Yeah. He was the spirit of your uncle and all this. And I was like, yo, thank you, bro. And he was, and you know, he had something nice to say at the end of all that. He was like, you know, well, good luck with your friend and the best for your friend. And I'll pray for your friend and think about your friend. Oh. You know, it was like, you know, one of those moments, again, which is the transience of our presence here on Earth. It's like, you know, I knew that dude for a moment, but he helped my spirit. And I was sitting there relating to him something that was like, like something inside of my heart, you know. And it's like, anyway, so then I get to see y'all and I'm like, cool. Like, this is some moment in life that I remember, you know. But it's like, I just think about the spending those last moments with brother, brother Matt. And it, this is about grief, though. You know, you being glad that you cried. So we were all holding it in. But what I would say is that I personally felt like I was trying to come to Vermont a little bit more often just so I could ha see Matt while Matt was well mm -hmm. before anything real <clears throat> crazy started to go down so I could at least have him. And I realized that you guys were real, pro you know, you had you had the whole thing under control. I was just coming to be like present to the situation yeah. in a way that could be comfortable. And him building that fucking uh, wooden fucking case for his fucking birthday. <laughs> his dumbass. <laughs> that motherfucker. Only him. Yeah, that was something. <laughs> and he would show everybody that came over, like, hey, want to see my coffin? Well, just hanging out in the garage. Listen, but that's what he would do with anything he made. Anything that was happening to him, it was going to make turn into art. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was pretty fabulous. Now, him doing that, making that box, him, that happening, us knowing that it was going to happen at some point, you taking that all onto yourself, and you just kind of called me casually whenever it was that it was happening. Like, I think it, I think it just happened. I think that thing just happened. <laughs> it just happened right there. I'm like, really? And you just kind of talked about it, and you contained the experience, even though you were living the experience, and even though I know it was just really, really fucking hard. It was pretty weird. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. you just like kind of got into like the mode of taking care of the body, which is so yeah. interesting. Well, I mean, that's kind of what you got to do, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's deep. 
But that prepared me. I would just say Matthew, him doing that just kind of made me go, okay, we've been grieving the whole time. So we're grieving in this way. And this is sad. But these people are celebratory people. And Diana's a celebratory person. So, you know, we got into celebration mode, I guess. But like acceptance mode. And we got together and we were all just there for each other. And it was beautiful. Because I think we had time. You know, we were ready to, you know, ready to do it yeah kinda, well you know, you know. sort of and again he left such a profound mark it's just like so many marks everywhere and so many remembrances that you know he's there you know he really is and his life made him there but even in death I, I would imagine he is still there that's what we're thinking about you know so yeah I did actually after the night or maybe it was the next night after he died I saw him on the ceiling fan <laughs> I know you did say that he was like I don't know. I was really, I, of course, I was drinking a whole bunch too. But you know, whatever. I'm Irish, and um, I did. I kind of like, or I was, if I was just a little hallucinating because I was kind of, you know, shock or whatever. I saw him like sort of squat, like sitting on the ceiling fan. Did for, you? Yeah, for a hot second. He was like his whole body was on the ceiling fan. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't normal size. I don't think. I mean, do it. It was Please. like he was sort of crouching, like. All, on all fours, kind of like like he was gonna jump and go to something else, and I was like, Whoa, "What?" <laughs> it was just. Weird. Isn't that so interesting? You know, what is it about flight? You know, that's the other thing. Like before, mm-hmm. after Steve passed away, it was kind of like I, we hit, at theater camp. We had this whole week about flight, and it was about people flying, kites flying, and stuff like that. But it's like you, me thinking about Matthew on the ceiling makes me think that, in some co- way, we believe that he has ascended. That he is, he has like. Well, I mean, that's not what bodily. everybody kind of thinks. I know. You and know, why is that? Thing. I don't know. That Maybe we, because it's something that really happens, and somehow we know that. Yeah, like we float up or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Because I don't know what everybody thinks. Different religions and whatnots and things. Mm-hmm. But it seems like a lot of people think you kind of go up somewhere. You know, look, girl, it's like. I'm so fascinated about that. So we were learning about flight <laughs> oh, right. at theater camp. And, you know, then I found out that Steve was the paratrooper and I had a dream about Steve that he was about to, oh, this is my, my, my dream as Steve, I think, is that the night that he died, I dreamed about, I dreamed about these orange lanterns below on this like cobble road and it was a poetry reading and I was like, oh, I'm going to go to that. And then st- I thought it was a road, but not, it wasn't a road. It was really like a ledge, and I was able to fly off the ledge. And I, I knew that it was not a vision that I was having. I kind of felt like it was Steve being like, I'm able to see these things <laughs> and fly, and I'm going to go fly off to Ann Wallman's thing. And I just was so amazed by that. And then, of course, as life would have it, it was at the place where I make theater with young people. That week, the whole theme was flight. So we were, we were dissecting the history of flight, you know, the Wright brothers and the... Amelia Earhart and us trying to fly and it was interesting because I had to reproduce these images on on stage with these kids that they were flying in the meanwhile I was taking swimming lessons really yeah because you know I don't know how to swim because I have bot like bodily like what is in my body how will my body how does my body act in different situations so I thought it was so interesting because you guys who swim take for granted that you you understand that you're floating in water like you're kind of like your body's just moving 
moving through <laughs> water. Like you're able to do that. And so I had this weird fascination with the fact that you know that you're buoyant and that you can float. And so this woman was trying to teach me that I could float in water. So she's like, look, if you just like go this way, you can float. And I'm like, what? So she puts these things on me and then she's like just holding my little finger and my big gigantic body's in the water and I'm like floating backwards just with Betsy's little bitty hand, finger on my back. <laughs> and I'm like, and she's tripping out because everybody's like swimming laps and shit like that. And I'm going, this is amazing. I can float. And what of my body is like <laughs> floating. Whoa. And I was just like thinking about the movement that I was doing in water was uh-huh. the movement that I was also doing with the kids when they were like learning how to, when they were trying yeah. to assimilate flight in the air. And I'm like, there must be something about that. Like us losing our bodies, but even the way that we're able to balance our bodies and balance the energy in our bodies and being able to or fly or swim. So it's like maybe that is a key. Like you seeing Matthew on the ceiling fan means that maybe in your spirit, eye brain, eyeball brain, you were like <laughs> picturing something that was really happening with Matthew's it energy. It pretty weird and kind of real. Yeah, it seemed kind of like I could see Matthew or uh, people going through a moment where like, what the fuck is this? Like, I'm dead. You looked really kind of excited. And now I'm like... And that's kind of why I kind of feel like sometimes I feel like he's pretty busy. You know what I mean? I can imagine he's really flying around the universe being like, what is that? (laughs) I feel you on that. I think dying is going to be really interesting. I don't want to do it anytime soon. God bless. Knock on wood. Right. But and it used to scare the hell out of me. I used to think about it a lot. Like, And I, when I thought about it, I'd be really freaked out. <laughs> I think I kind of went through a little phase of, I don't know, it was like, I don't know if it was like panic attack. I don't, it wasn't, whatever, whatever you call it. I would have little like freak outs a little bit in my mm-hmm. brain. And one time I made Don take me to the doctor <laughs> from work. <laughs> I was like, Don, what are you doing right now? <laughs> I was like, can we go to the can we go to the doctor? I think I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> really? Yes. I did that. He's such a good buddy that he was just like, okay. And we just left. And he's like, do we go to the emergency room? I was like, nah, I don't, I don't know. Let's just go to the community health center. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So I go in. Because, I mean, obviously I wasn't having a heart attack, right? Well, it's not so totally obvious, but okay, anyway, let's like, whatever. you know, so, safety first. It's, so, it's really embarrassing, but what? who cares? Anyway, so I go in. And I walk up to the front desk, and I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I think I might be having a heart attack. Jesus Christ, she's laughing now. She's laughing about this. Oh, my God. I was so stupid. What a dork. You're such a fucking dork. I know. They, whatever. They throw me in a room, and the doctor <laughs> just threw you in there. You're like, ah, I'm taking it. Like, poor, poor Don, like, in the, in the waiting room. Poor baby. Been like, oh, my God. Anyway, mm. he's just such a good buddy. Anyway. I love him. So whatever, it's, uh, the doctor was so stupid, but he was like, I think you're having a panic attack. And I was like, okay, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and like, he was like, well, I can write your prescription. I was like, for what? Like panicking? He's, well, I was like, for what, brain drugs? And he was like, yeah. I was like, is it something you take like once in a while when it happens? He's like, no, you take it every day. I was like, nah, fuck that. I was like, no, 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 no. He's like, well, it could be heartburn. I was like, well, why don't we just, instead of jumping to the, like, give me brain drugs every day, why don't we, why don't you say heartburn first and maybe, he was, I was just like, I can write you a prescription for that. I was like, for what? And he's like, something you take every day, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, or he's like, or you can try some over-the-counter medicine. I was like, well, 
<laughs> Why don't we try that first? Anyway, long story short, so I was having these weird things, and it turns out when I went and had my uh, my first colonoscopy, thank you very much, mm. I had them do a endoscopy, endoscopy, I don't know what it's called, but they look down your throat. Yeah. Turned out I had a, like a hernia that was like causing weird, um, I don't know, fucking acid reflux or something <laughs> fucked up, and it went away. <laughs> so it, it was like, I went from having a heart attack or being crazy to just having heartburn, and then I just had a weird little messed up thing that made me crazy for a hot minute. I don't know why I told you that story. No, I appreciate it, because you were thinking about your body and dying and, and what what it's going to take for that thing to go and yeah, and why. So you were, like, thinking that you were having heart attacks. Yeah, Don, poor this, Don. Jesus, we have put that poor child. Whew. We put him through a lot. Oh, he's such a good daddy. Mm. <laughs> daddy Don. They are such good papas. Yeah. Well, so that wasn't happening. Nope. Well, that's a blessing. I guess. <laughs> you don't know, girl. You don't know. You could have been having a real actual issue, and then one of your ancestors went in there, oh. and they were like, she ain't going now. Well, and my mom had a big heart attack when I was nine. And the whole thing with that, speaking of ancestors and somebody making you do something, like um, so my parents used to do uh, square dancing which was a thing back in the whenever that was, late 70s, I guess. And um, they were out late. I remember I was up late watching the Johnny Carson show, little nine-year-old. And um, I was at home with my brothers and whatever. My parents came home and I went upstairs. My room was right next door to their room and the bathroom was on the end of the hallway. And my mom was like, okay, go brush your teeth and then I'll come in and say goodnight. And I was like, okie dokie, whatever. And you know, I, I, you know, my mom told me to do that, so I was going to do it. So I was brushing my teeth, and then I was walking from the bathroom into my room, and something just, it was like somebody just went, like, put put their, like, a smack in the head and was just like, no, go in there. And so I went into my mom's room, and she was laying on the floor, like, by her bed, and she was kind of, I was like, what are you doing? And I thought she was messing around with me, and she was making, like, weird little snorry noises, so I thought she was pretending she was sleeping. I mean, why would she do that? Who knows? So I kind of gave her a little shake, and she kind of rolled over, and she looked really, like, blue or, like, just, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. She looked like nobody I'd ever seen look. So, whatever. I ran downstairs, got my dad, but I got my brothers, the whole long story. They had to do CPR and stuff, and mm. my brother Davey came down to call the um, ambulance, and I was sitting on the kitchen, the dining room table, like, freak, like in the dark, just being like, what's going on? I was nine. I don't know. And my brother, Davey, who used to, you know, he was kind of mean to me. I think it's because he was the youngest and then I came along. It's a little whatever. Anyway, so he, he and I didn't really get along, but he called the ambulance and then he saw me and he came over and he gave me a big hug and he was like, it's going to be okay. Oh, like, oh, that's like, the Sullivan way. They're good. They're <laughs> it's good going people. to be okay. That's and, right. And from then on, me, I, I liked my brother better. <laughs> you liked your brother better and you saved Minky's life. Well, I, I think it was... I didn't know her parents ever. I never knew my grandparents ever, and I, I'm pretty for sure it was one of them. I think it was her mom. Who hit you in the head. Yep. Listen, I, I have no doubt. It's much more comfortable for me to talk about things like this and talk about what I really, like these kinds of beliefs, because those are the ones that count. My disbeliefs are the ones where I want to be like, just believe what you want to believe, you know? So it's <laughs> well, like, wow. 
Yeah, so that's crazy. You feel like an ancestor hit you in the head, told you to go get Minky because it was just wasn't Minky's time. Yeah, because I I would have if I had gone didn't got into bed and waited for her to come see you night. I probably would have fallen asleep and woke up and she wouldn't be there anymore. She'd be dead. <laughs> so that's true, and it would be a totally sucked. different story. Yeah. Wow. That would have sucked balls. Yeah. Didn't happen though. You're a warrior, child. Mm. That's I deep. I don't think I am. <laughs> but well, you're a I think I pay kid. attention to the warriors that are out there. Yeah. Well, that's why it's good that you paid attention to your heart acting weird like that because you knew it was up and something in your instinct was telling you to something do that. Weird. And you never know. It could have been another ancestor. Somebody else was like, you know what? Diane, her whole heart is clogged right now. <laughs> she's going to die. And one of the other ancestors was like, no, she's not. And they went in there like, no, she's not. And they just, they were like, this bitch ain't dead. She died. It's just a little cough. Whatever. You know, which is great. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the same thing happened with Steve. He had all these terrible, I took him to the doctor. He had all these real terrible heart issues. Like he couldn't breathe and stuff like that. And so then it was like, the whole issue was, it looks like Steve's got 99% of the clogged arteries and he's only going to have to get a heart, heart transplant. And it's terrible. This happened, this was like the beginning of the year. And so then we took, we went to go get a second opinion. He didn't want to get broken up for surgery at his age, blah, blah, blah. He yeah. gets a second opinion and they're like, these people look crazy. There ain't nothing wrong with this man. There's nothing wrong with his. He's like clean as a whistle. And even though he was smoking all those years, nothing's wrong with his health and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so that dude straight up, he was like, guess what? It's not a big deal. I just need to like exercise ever so often, whatever, whatever. And I think it was like, we had this little scare for him so that he could like prepare himself but not really be prepared. And then this hip thing happened and we were not prepared for it, although we knew something was happening and then we found out. And so the difference between that and my experience of anti dying, but was that even on T when on T died, even having a day with the person and they know that they're gonna die mm-hmm. prepares you. Cause she's straight up I've never seen a death like this. <laughs> I ain't never seen nobody go out like my auntie went out. But that's, again, that's how she lived. She went out like, yo, if I'm going to die, this is a great day to do it. Thanks. Everybody's (laughs) here. Thank you, doctor, for all the care that you give me all these years. I'm going to die. Let me call my sister-in-law, tell her she's beautiful. All my grand people, I think, call my grandkids, all my friends, tell them everything I want to tell them. Let me tell these people that are here. Planned her funeral. The menu. Everything. And I'm like, wow. And then that graciousness at that death, Matthew's graciousness at his death. And then I, then as a result of that, I started to hear more and more conversations about how people handle knowing that they're going to die, the things that they do with their will. Mm-hmm. So as a result of Matthew's preparation, death education, Auntie Lucille, Knowing that they were going to die, I understood. I said, oh, when the shock of death is gone, death is still bad, but it does help a little. I realized how much the shock component of death is, is a thing that really, really hurts, like, in a major yeah. way. Because you just don't know it. When you know it, you prepare for it in a little different way, I guess, even though it's very sad still. So I've just been watching. and I remember telling Steve this. You know, what can you do to actually prepare for the actual thing that is inevitable, which is death, to to create something 
like whatever it is like Matthew would have done more had he had longer to prepare for his death but he didn't he was preparing his whole life for his death right yeah kind of but like right, <laughs> right. at the end yeah. you know, he made a coffin he made a whole yeah. bunch of little books right. he made the coffin like you know in other words Matthew did what Matthew was Matthew would do in graciously the situation but I'm just kind of like thinking like if we change our mind about it and we're kind of like oh like this to me it's so interesting that the, people are starting to think about how to plant yourself in a tree and it become a tree you know or the idea that people are going to have really cool things to stick you in and put you somewhere or whatever it's kind of like stick your ashes you can in get shot into space yeah you know what i mean like whatever and at that point it won't really make much of a difference because like you're dead i mean i think that's what would steve would always say but i used to think about that a lot like mm-hmm. what i wanted to have done <laughs> after i'm dead but um i think I think lately I've just been more thinking about what I'm doing right this very second. You know what I mean? Hey, man. Like, I just, all all that I know for a fact is that we have right this very second. And, like, I'm going to do something cool, hopefully, with whatever those seconds that I have here. You know what I mean? Right. And I don't really give a crap what happens after, I guess. It doesn't really matter because I won't be here and who cares. You can do whatever you want. But I'm gonna leave some really cool instructions. <laughs> yeah, you might. You, I could see you maybe trying to do something like that. Ugh. But nothing big. Nah. Like it doesn't even have to be anything big. Sometimes or you don't have to leave any at all. That might be a drag. Although it was nice for my aunt to be able to speak through to something, so we felt like we were having like even Matthew like eating the tuna fish. Like I think Matthew must have bought that tuna fish. Thinking, I was like, oh, I'm still eating food that Matthew had. Or like, I remember when David passed away, you gave people jam that he had made. And it was like, wow. You know what I mean? Having something the person touched is so interesting. Like, what what did they leave behind? That's the other things. Like, what are you leaving behind? Yeah. And like at the, the Matt party for the street, like a lot of people were wearing his shirts. I thought that was cute. Oh, you know what? Like when my brother Mikey died, I... We were, had a bunch of people at the house, and he had a whole crap ton of Harley Davidson shirts, just a ton of them. And so I, I was like, I asked his wife, I was like, can I give out shirts? And so I just gave everybody, like, here, here's a Mikey shirt, here's a Mikey shirt. And so everybody was wearing Harley Davidson shirts. It was really cute. That's nice. I like that kind of crap. I want a Matthew shirt. You can go get one. <laughs> really? Yeah. Of course you, you can. You gotta save some of his clothes for the archive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for the um, for the museum, the foundation, the foundation, the museum, whatever it is, it's gonna be because that brother was a huge artist in our country. I want to go see the sh- if there's time for me to go see the show. I would like to see the show at the the Vermont Historical Center. I think it's done. I think it was gonna be up till the twenty seventh or something. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I got lots of pictures of it. <laughs> anyway. Matthew, don't listen to her. He wanted us to go see his shows. Why would I not go see his shows? Is this something I've seen already? Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Then show me pictures of what yeah. it was like so I can know that it happened. I mean, it was a great show. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I mean, you know, you can't see everything. You can't be there. You can't be everywhere at once until, until after you're, you're dead. dead. And on that note, have a lovely evening. <laughs> Talking shit about death with Diane and Jeff. Yeah, we're all around.
so get it off your chest. We're talking shit about death. We're talking shit about death. Thanks for spending some of your limited time here on Earth with us. For more stories, photos, and goodies, go to TalkingShitAboutDeath.com. See you next time.